As I have mentioned almost every Sunday night that I have been preaching on favorite Bible passages, these are some of my favorite lessons. Many of you have recommended the passages which we have been studying. They have been passages which to many of you they have brought a great amount of comfort and encouragement. And I really enjoy the privilege of being able to look at some of these passages afresh so that we can be able to understand them. And you know, of all the books of the Bible, many regard the book of Psalms as their favorites. If you were to ask each one of you, I want you to mentally write down in your mind the book of the Bible that you most often think about, the one that you would most often uh, find a favorite passage, I would say most of you would say the Psalms. And I think one reason why is because the Psalms reflect the heart of a good man, of a man who stood out as one of the great men of the Old Testament. In fact, if you read 2 Samuel 23, verse 1, it says, Now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse, Thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. You think about that phrase being applied to him, the sweet psalmist. Much of what he says reflects a genuine heart. In fact, when Samuel was told to instruct Saul after Saul was rejected by God, he said, but now your kingdom will not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. God was looking for a man like David, one who treasured and prized the things that God did. And so as we study the Psalms, we see within David a man who genuinely, sincerely, purely loved the God of heaven. And Psalm 13 is certainly one of those great psalms. Tonight what we're going to do is to divide the chapter or the psalm in three ways, verses 1 and 2, verses 3 and 4, verses 5 and 6. They will be first the concern, second the cry, and then finally the confidence that he expressed. Let's begin as we look at this great psalm. Verses 1 and 2 again. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? If you read that carefully, you see those words, how long, how long, how long, become repeated over and over and over again. They reflect a heart that is concerned with the situation that he's in. How many of you have ever sat and asked or maybe on your knees in prayer and say, God, how long will this situation in my life go on? Someone is sick in my family, Lord. How long till they get better? 
Lord, our family is suffering because of a loss of income, because of a loss of a job. How long will things go this way before they get better? How long, O Lord, will this person who is trying to undermine me at work, will these things go on? When will you take notice of my daily concerns? Well, sometimes God himself is the one who asks how long. Sometimes he looks at us and sees what we're doing and God says, for instance, as he did to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? Israel saw God's goodness, saw God's deliverance, and yet time after time after time rejected God. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 27, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I've heard complaints which the children of Israel make against me. God said, How long do I have to keep on putting up with their complaints, with the angriness that they have toward me? Well, that's a legitimate question. But the vast majority of the times we see it reflects a wish for instance, Matthew 17, 17, Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and how long shall I bear with you? How long is it going to take before we correct things? But now, frequently, this question of how long is asked by man. And if I were to go and look at all those passages just with David, we would spend a lot of time. I just really want to bring three of them to your attention because they reflect David's concern for his situation in life. Psalm 6 and verse 3, My soul is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? You look at your life and there's trouble in it. And David is crying out, How long, O Lord? Or notice Psalm 79 verse 5, how long, Lord, will you be angry for your ever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? When the punishment of God comes upon you for what you have done wrong, when will that punishment be over? Psalm 94, verse 3. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? When I live in a world where it seems that things are going in the wrong direction. Do you ever get like me, looking at the political situation, looking at the moral situation, looking at our cultural problems, to say, how long, Lord, will you let this world keep going in this wrong direction? But the truth is, God doesn't operate on man's timetable. That's hard for me to understand, and I know it's got to be hard for you to understand as well. It was hard for David. Notice with me Psalms 90 and verse 4. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. Or 2 Peter 3 and verse 8. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord a thousand years, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. For God, He does not count time the same way we count time. And so as we think about how long, God may not take 
days to resolve matters. He may not take weeks. He may take years. He may take generations to correct things in this world. When I go to the book of Revelation, I recognize the situation that is behind it. The Roman Empire is being very vicious as it persecutes those who are followers of Jesus. And as the Roman government persecutes, it is killing people. And when you get to Revelation chapter 6, Jesus, riding through the Apostle John, tells us about the souls that are under the altar. And he says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren would be killed as it were, was completed. You see, what God is hearing is the cries of those martyrs crying out, Lord, how long are you going to let this go on? Will you let more and more and more die this painful death because of this wicked government? And God said, be patient. Rest a while. I've got time for it to be completed. Do you hear the cry of those people? Which leads me to the second aspect of it. Look with me now as we study verses 3 and 4. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed against him lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Consider and hear me. God, look at me. Look at my situation. Hear my cry. David wanted God to hear his cry for help. Wouldn't you? There are people all around you that are looking for your fall. There are people all around you trying to trip you up. And you cry out to God. You've already cried out how long. And now you're saying, God, please hear me when I cry. In this context, David is struggling against his enemy. I guess I really ought to be more accurate, his enemies, plural. This can be really discouraging. I want you to see the heart of David as he struggles against his enemies. In Psalm 6 and verse 7, he says, My eyes, or my eye, waste away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. I want you to picture David's crying. Tears are being shed because people are persecuting him. Listen to Psalm 29, 25, 19. Consider my enemies... For they are many, and they hate me with a cruel hatred. 
They don't just hate David. They hate him with a cruel hatred. They want bad for him. They're looking for trouble. Listen to Psalm 38 verse 19. But my enemies are vigorous and they are strong. And those who hate me have wrongfully or wrongfully have multiplied. Vicious and strong. You think of an animal ready to tear him apart. Capable of doing so. But David said, I didn't deserve it. They hate me wrongfully. I've not done anything to hurt them. Keep going. Psalm 41 verse 5. My enemies speak evil of me. When will he die and his name perish? There are people looking for David to die. They're looking for David to get out of the way. They're, they're angry at him. Psalm 69, verse 4. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They are mighty who would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully. Though I have stolen nothing, I must still or still must restore it. David is saying, They who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. I don't know. Why I have so many enemies? I didn't do anything to them. But I must restore. But when you look at the enemies of David, you have to realize there's a religious aspect to it. You know, you can start in Psalm 1, go all the way to Psalm 150, and you study all those psalms about the enemies of David, and you see a lot of times their attitude toward him. You see their actions toward him. But in several of those psalms, you see the motivation. And it's because of who David is. Because David is a man after God's own heart. Because David is a servant of God. Listen as he speaks in Psalms 42, verses 9 and 10. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Every day they're looking at David. Where's your God? You follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Where is your God, David? I skipped Psalm 74.10. says the same thing. They looked at him and they blasphemed God's name. Now I think many of us can identify with David's cry for help. How many of you have ever worked in a workplace where you believe someone's role in their mind was to make your life miserable? I'd say most of us have been in some position like that. But what about if you're in a position, maybe you're a student in school, and some teacher has found out that you are a Christian. And you're in this higher education, and that teacher's seemingly goal in their mind is to humiliate you, to make you look bad. And you feel like, 
I'm trying to do what's right. I'm trying to serve God. God, why won't you take care of me? I'm crying from the depths of my heart. Well, David is not going to stop there. Go with me now to verses 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now, confidence arises from a heart of trust. You see, just like a child that's standing on the side of a a pool of water or maybe on the bank and daddy's in the water and says, jump, I'll catch you. Only when you have trust will you jump. David looks at the world in which he lives and he's crying out, how long will God allow these things to go on? He cries out in a prayer saying, my enemies are around me. They're looking for my fall. But God, I trust you. I know you're going to handle the situation David had been given good reason to trust God because his last phrase there in verse 6, because he's dealt bountifully with me. Now, I would like for each of us who look at our lives, maybe you've identified with those first four verses, you've got the concern in your mind, you've got the cry in your heart, but do you have the confidence That the God we serve, that He will take care of us, will look at your life. Has God taken care of you to this point in time? Yes, He has. That doesn't mean everything's been wonderful. doesn't mean everything's been blessed. But God's taken care of you. Listen to Psalm 52 and verse 8. But I am like a green olive tree. In the house of God, I will trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. You know something great about olive trees? You can cut them down, but they keep coming back. They're the kind of tree that when a a segment of it grows bad and um, begins to rot, out of the roots of that old olive tree will come another one. Just going on forever and ever. David's use of this green olive tree, one that is blooming, one that is blessed. Or Psalm 119, or 116, verses 1 through 7. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplication. Because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me, and the pains of Sheol laid hold on me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. 
I was brought low, and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Do you see David looking at his life and he says, Yes, I have been in the midst of depths and despair, but guess what? I opened my eyes and God was there and God delivered. It just doesn't get any better than that. Psalm 139. I want you to listen to verses 14 through 24. It's a rather long reading, but how powerful are the words that are found there. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me when as there was yet none of them. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If you'll pause with me for just a moment. This is not where the text ends. But even before you and I are born, God has provided and protected who we are as we are formed in the womb of our mother. Notice as he continues on, If I should count them, they will be more than the number of the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. For they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Now I'm beginning to see the tie-in of David seeing people hating God and they hate David and they become David's enemies and they hate David because they hate God. Verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David says he wants God to search him, try him, test him. Look at me. God, do I, do I hate people for the wrong reason? I hope not. Do I hate what they're doing? Most certainly I do. But he says, no, my anxieties. God, I'm worried. That's what anxiety means. God, I am, let me use that first word, that concerned. See if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. I want to do what is right. This psalm focuses on confidence and courage in the face of challenges and concern. Something that we all have to face. How many of us have found ourselves in situations similar to what David describes? I would say most of us. Maybe not identical, but very similar. 
And the bottom line is always trust in God and everything's going to work out all right because we're dealing with a God who deals with us bountifully. What a privilege we've enjoyed to be able to study one of these great psalms of David and see the encouragement that comes from it. Now, the question is, are you ready to receive those blessings, that encouragement? If you're not a Christian, you're not in a position to receive them. Because you can't call on God as your Father if you've not been born again. But if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, willing to repent of the sins that you've committed, confess your faith in Him, and be baptized. In being baptized, you're born again of the water and of the Spirit. John 3, verses 3 through 5. If you are a Christian, you do have the right to call on God as your Father. And you will find yourselves in difficult situations, and how you respond to them tells a lot about the depth of your faith, the depth of your confidence. And like David, you and I are going to make mistakes. When we do, we need to always be willing to own up to them. Say, yes, I have I failed God. And we need to ask God's forgiveness. Now, if it's something public, if it's a failure that others have seen and know of, we need to... Confess our faults one to another and pray one for another. James 5 verse 16. If you need to respond, would you come tonight as we stand and sing?